One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Calm at You podcast, Brave New Girl edition. I'm Chloe Brotheridge, author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl, which is out on the 2nd of May, and I'm helping you to become your calmest, happiest and most confident self with this podcast. So this week, I'm really excited to speak to Alice Living, who is someone I've followed for ages. I think she's just a brilliant example of someone that really puts themselves out there and shows up with a lot of courage and confidence. And so some of the things that we talk about are how weightlifting can help with your confidence. We talk about fear of failure and how so many of us struggle with this and how in particular Alice handles it because obviously everything that she does is very much in the public eye and she has a lot of pairs of eyes, you know, watching everything that she does. And so we dig into that. We also talk about criticism and I share my own experience with how I handle that and Alice does as well. And it's something that we all have to go through and we all have to experience. And we talk about how we can start to learn from criticism rather than taking it too personally. I also had to ask her about social media overwhelm because as someone that uses social media professionally, you know, she's at the, probably the peak of social media overwhelm. But we talk about some techniques that we can all use to manage our social media use and use it in a more positive way. I love how vulnerable Alice is, how open she is. And honestly, it made me feel so much better knowing that so many of these things we all struggle with and we're all in this together. And knowing that we're not alone with things like feeling terrible when you get some criticism at work or feeling terrified to put your ideas out there because you're so scared about what other people are going to think. I think when we know that we're not alone with this and it's a universal experience, it just makes it easier to bear. And hearing about how other people have overcome this gives us the courage to overcome it ourselves. So I would love to support you with your anxiety and help you with your confidence. You can head over to karmayou.com forward slash free and there you'll be able to download a free anxiety busting toolkit, which is a selection of resources, which I found really powerful for helping people to let go of worries, be more confident, become more positive. And you can get that for free when you head over to karmayou.com forward slash free. So let's get into the episode with Alice Living. This podcast is sponsored by Sweaty Betty. With beautiful and high-performance activewear from bum sculpting leggings to supportive sports bras, Sweaty Betty has you covered for every single sport. From the gym to the yoga studio to, let's face it, 
relaxing or working from home, you will often find me wearing my favourite activewear brand, Sweaty Betty. Their bomb sculpting leggings have become my new favourites. I have to say, I feel really good in them. They just cut beautifully. And best of all, their leggings are built to last. They use high quality and durable fabrics. I actually have a pair of Sweaty Betty leggings from a couple of years ago that I still use and love. So Sweaty Betty are offering listeners 20% off when you enter the promo code KARMAYOU on their website. So you can head over to sweatybetty.com forward slash podcasts and enter the code KARMAYOU, that's C-A-L-M-E-R-Y-O-U, and you get 20% off. Definitely check out their stuff. I think you're going to love it. Welcome, Alice. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Thank you. I'm really good. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful day today. It is beautiful. I'm very excited for spring and summer and it's making me feel really hopeful about the future. Finally as well. It feels like it's been a long time coming. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. I am so excited to speak to you. To me, you are just an amazing example of someone that is putting themselves out there with a lot of courage. Someone who's not afraid just to be themselves, to be very open, very authentic. And so I think you're the perfect person to speak to about, you know, confidence and courage and, and inspire us all with your, your mindset. So mm, I'm very excited you. to speak to you. I wanted to get started just with asking you about fitness and confidence mm. because there's such a link there, isn't there? And I don't know what, what your experience is with how, you know, getting fitter can help us with confidence and mm. particularly even things like weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think from a personal point of view, like my own, my own journey led me to experience this like kind of boost in confidence because I found a way of exercising that I really enjoyed. Go back sort of four years, I would hate going to the gym or exercising in any way because I was so self-conscious and I was like hyper aware of not being good (laughs) at what I was doing. And when I started to get into it and I started to realize that actually, okay, this actually, you know, I can do this. This is all right. Like I'm, I'm kind of getting my head around what I'm doing, particularly with weight training. I think it takes a while. And this is something I impress on my clients all the time is that you don't turn into an expert overnight. You know, persistence is key and persistence over perfection is definitely how I operate. So I persisted with it and um, got better. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Like there was a huge link between feeling accomplished in terms of gaining strength, in terms of walking out of a gym session and being like, I know that I did really well there. I might not be dripping with sweat. I might not be, you know, absolutely gassing, but I actually know that I've had a really good and productive session and I've enjoyed it ultimately, which is the best thing. And that goes hand in hand with with feeling confident is when you know, oh, that was really good and I feel great and I really enjoyed that. That's matched with, you know, oh, I actually feel a little bit more confident in myself too. And with my clients as well, I think, and, and fitness in general, I always impress on them that it's not just about the physical, you know, it's not just about getting from A to B and, and looking a certain way. It's about what can I learn from this? You know, so often there are so many other like life skills that can be gained through working out, you know, whether it's social, whether you meet people that, you know, you interact with and they, they become your sort of fitness family. And I think also for me, with confidence, I love being able to help people with that as well. You know, like part of my fulfillment as a personal trainer is getting someone in who says to me at the start of the session of our first session, sorry, I'm really not that confident in the gym. I don't really know what I'm doing. When I go in, I feel very intimidated and suddenly working with them, taking them through, you know, a couple of weeks of training by week four, when they come in and say to me, 
I came to the gym on my own and I didn't need you. And I did this, this, this. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like a proud parent because it's massive. And it's not about the physical, you know, of course it is because there's a certain physical element involved in it, but it's actually, it's the mental gains that can be made from someone just being able to exercise in their own skin and feel great and, and to, to achieve something. Yeah, I love that. I think there's something really about overcoming a challenge and seeing yourself make progress. Mm. And you probably heard the term self-efficacy, which is mm. about being able to overcome challenges and, and seeing yourself and your capabilities that really leads to our mm. our self-esteem, mm. our sense of confidence. And I've, you know, definitely experienced that feeling of going into the weights room mm. and it's mostly blokes in mm. spring vests and thinking, ah, oh, how am I going to cope with this? And then after a few weeks, actually feeling really at home and noticing that, I don't know, maybe you, you're more aware of your physicality, mm. you feel a bit more, you feel strong, mm. basically. Mm. And there's really that mind-body connection mm. I think is so good for our confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes when you're talking about self-efficacy, that's something that it doesn't naturally come to a lot of people, you know, they find it hard when they first come into a session, for example, with myself, or, or even if they're on their own, it's quite hard for them to envisage being that confident and transforming into that person because it can seem quite out of reach for a lot of people. Whereas actually sometimes it's just a little bit of encouragement and sometimes that's all it takes. You know, I've had clients where it's been like two or three sessions and they're like, yeah, I feel great now. And it's just giving someone the confidence to know that you're actually okay. You know exactly what you're doing. You're fine. I think we, as women as well, we're, we're almost hyper aware of getting things wrong. We don't like to fail and we don't like to not do things perfectly a lot of the time. So even if, you know, okay, sometimes people have come in, their form might not be a hundred percent perfect, but it's fine. You know, it's, it's not, it's not going to injure them. It's pretty safe. But I think as women, like, and the difference that I often see on the gym floor is men are totally happy to like just throw the weights around regardless of their form. Whereas women, we're so careful, you know, we're often like going to pick the weight that I can do this really safely. So yeah, it's funny. And sometimes just giving someone the confidence to say, you actually know what you're doing. You're, you're all right. You're doing fine and you, you can manage. And, and that's all it takes to get someone to feel confident. That's so interesting that that shows up in the gym. The difference between men and women, because I noticed that, you know, so much, even with my boyfriend and me, you know, he'll go to the gym wearing activewear that's got kind of food stains on it. And mm. I feel like I need to be even you know, wearing immaculate clothes or something. Yeah. I think that just shows up in so many different mm. ways in our lives. Mm. But it's good to know that we don't have to be, you know, perfect and don't have to have perfect form. That's very comforting to know. In terms of you and your own confidence, how you, obviously you're, there's lots of pairs of eyes watching mm. what you do mm. and how do you have find the courage to put yourself out there and be you mm-hmm. and share so much of yourself and your life with people? I think it's funny when people say, oh, you're so confident and like, how have you helped, de- how have you developed, sorry, your confidence? Because sometimes I feel completely uncomfortable. Like I think it's sometimes because I have a background in theatre I was always told, fake it till you make it, you know, like put on a smile. No one will know that you're terrified and you're like shitting yourself in an audition. (laughs) Um, So that's actually something that I've adopted and it's been to my detriment in, in many circumstances because I am just very good at being like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm really confident, I'm fine. When actually that hasn't been the case. But I think recently what has helped me to develop my confidence is actually 
being more vulnerable, saying when I'm not 100% openly showing emotion. For a long time on my, particularly on my social media, I was like, God, I would, I would never say I was upset or I would never say that I was angry or sad or, you know, it's always got to be, I'm Alice and I'm really happy and I'm smiling because that's what people want to see. And that's what I thought. Whereas actually like, I don't know when it was when I first kind of might have shown a chink in the armor as such, but people really resonated with that. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe people won't judge me for, you know, being upset or being sad. And, and actually like more often than not, (laughs) I actually find it a lot more easy now to be vulnerable and to say when I'm not feeling 100%. And that's made me feel a lot more confident in general, because I know that regardless of how I'm feeling, I can be who I am online without having to feel as though I have to put on this big pretense that I was so used to doing. So I think that has really helped. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because it's so easy to look at someone else and think Mm. they've got it all sorted. Mm. Their life is perfect. They don't struggle with anything. They were just born that way. Mm. You know, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Mm. And actually, you know, when you peel below the surface of everyone, everyone's Mm. got something going on. Mm. Everyone struggles. Everyone Mm. feels nervous sometimes. Mm. And I was reading recently about Adele how she projectile vomits before her performances. And, you know, Beyonce is her biggest fan, and yet still she doubts herself, even though she's clearly amazing. Mm. And so I think you're right about how important it is to be vulnerable and how much people appreciate Mm. that. And also, you know, it's exhausting for people to constantly be putting on a a kind of a Mm. happy smile when you don't necessarily feel it every day like anyone. Yeah, and I think the vulnerability thing, I think it's not about doing it so people see that I'm upset but it's more about I feel that I need to sometimes be vulnerable because it makes me feel better you're absolutely right it's exhausting trying to constantly be this happy smiley person and the thing is is that when a lot of people draw positivity from you and they come to a page and they say oh you always make me feel so positive I almost feel a sense of or I used to almost feel a sense of guilt if I was like oh but I'm not feeling positive today actually I'm not feeling great at all and you know, I actually don't want to go on my own stories in the morning and be like, hi, I'm Alice. I'm having a great day because actually I'm not. And realizing that it was okay to say that, you know, it's okay to be sad, to have a down day. And also like, I think sometimes I used to just get this feeling of guilt and I still do. I think we all do. Like I sometimes worry that I get the guilt of, oh, but my problems aren't that bad, you know, compared to everyone else mine aren't that bad so I can't really talk about them because they're not that bad and and people have got it way worse off than me whereas actually the more I work with people and the more I speak to people like you're absolutely right everyone's got stuff going on and everything is within the context of your life so if the worst thing you've experienced is x then if something is close to that it's going to feel awful to you but to the next person that might be you know water off a duck's back that might not affect them at all it's just how we experience stuff and and you know, we need to understand. And I had to tell myself a lot that my feelings are valid. And I think that's really, really key. I am allowed to feel like this. I'm accepting it. I'm allowing it. And I'm going to move on rather than feeling an emotion and then being like, oh my God, why are you feeling like this? You're not allowed to feel like this. Like this, you should be so grateful for everything you've got. And you should be so happy because things are going great for you. You're not allowed to feel sad. 
And actually that was like so damaging because you then like end up bottling everything up and you become like a pressure cooker. Some, at some point something's got to give and it's 10 times worse than if you just let off the steam in the first place. I'm sure a lot of people resonate with that because I hear all the time about people with anxiety, how they think, oh, I've got all these things. I've got a nice job. I've got a nice partner. Mm. I shouldn't be anxious. I shouldn't be struggling with my mental health. Mm. And when you beat yourself up about that, of course, it makes it 10 times worse. Mm. And yet... Yes, we are really lucky in our modern times, but also modern life is hard. Mm. You know, we're under so much pressure and things are moving so quickly and actually we're quite disconnected, even though we're all Mm. connected online. Mm. A lot of us are working all the time and we lack those communities that we Mm. would have had in the past. So it's about acknowledging, I think, that, that, you know, it's all relative, really. Mm. It's all relative and Mm. it's okay to feel what you feel, exactly what you said. Yeah, and I think one of the best things that helped me was just realising that, I am really bad at talking. And actually one of the biggest changes for me was I sudden I somehow convinced myself that I was an introvert and I was actually really good on my own. And don't get me wrong, I do really like my own company and I'm very happy in my own company. But I'd somehow convinced myself that that was something that made me happy. And I lived on my own for a year. And when I first made the decision to do it, I was like, I'm going to live on my own. I found this flat. I'm going to you know, be really independent. It's going to be great because I'm going to be on my own and don't have to worry about anyone else. And it was great in some ways because, you know, there's no other me- there's no mess. If there's any mess around, it's mine. Yeah. But what I realized with hindsight was actually I became incredibly lonely, really lonely. And because my job makes me feel as though I'm talking to people all the time, although I'm not, I suddenly was in this warped sense of I'm socializing, but I'm not. And I'm coming home each day feeling stressed, feeling anxious, and I'm not letting off any of that by talking to anyone. I'm just internalizing it all and then getting up the next day and doing exactly the same. And coming to the end of that year of living on my own, I didn't even realize that I needed to speak to someone and that actually doing that was helpful until I moved in with Paddy. And then when we moved in together, it was suddenly weird for me at first to come home and him to say how was your day what have you been up to how are you and I was like oh you know actually I've not had a great day today when I hadn't obviously not every day but sometimes this was really stressful or this annoyed me and just talking about that was like completely life-changing because suddenly I went to bed and I didn't feel like I was almost weighed down with all this stuff I was like I've talked about stuff I've got it off my chest and I can move on and and I do think you're absolutely right that we we feel like we're constantly connected to people, but actually a lot of the time it's incredible. Like life is lonely for a lot of people right now. Loneliness is like almost more common than I've ever known it to be. And I personally have really, really found value in, in realizing that it's not good for me. And I must just talk to someone, anyone and say how I feel at some point, because otherwise, yeah, it's so isolating. Yeah, I think one thing I've really noticed is that people in emails or in person say, how are you? Mm. But actually, they're not really, don't really want to know. And we wouldn't probably say on that first thing. So I always say to even my friends, you know, how are you really? Mm. And really follow that up and try Mm. and get to those deeper conversations. And when I'm writing an email, I always write several question marks after the how are you, hoping that someone will say how they actually are. Yeah. Because I think it is so easy to have those kind of superficial chats or conversations with clients and Mm, it feels mm. sort of sociable but actually it's not that deeper connection Mm, that we need mm. and actually being able to talk about what's going on and sadly levels of loneliness are really high in young women particularly I think it's we often think of loneliness affecting older people but actually it's the biggest 
the most lonely people are young women, mm. which is such a shame. Um, so thanks for sharing your experience of that and how important it is to, to talk about things. I saw you mention fear of failure quite recently mm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, a topic I talk about in Brave New Girl and that I just hear all the time, particularly in younger women. Mm. It's almost like we're, we're told it's not okay to fail. Mm. What's your experience of, of that? Yeah, I think for so long I was terrified of failure and it's always loaded with a, quite a bit of like stigma. You know, if you try something and it doesn't work and people are like, oh, I'd think people would be like, oh, she did that and it didn't work. She's failed. Like, and it is, it's, it's almost, I was more concerned about people talking about me than I was about just trying things myself. And it is that stigma that's attached to it that I think is what stops people from going after things that they really want to do, even if they do fail. But yeah, I think failure for me, it came in a number of different ways. I think at school, I found that I was never particularly academic and I really struggled with like sort of scraping by in terms of grades and stuff. And I think for me, I I struggled with that feeling of, I I was in a school where like a lot of my friends were really academic and that feeling of like, I'm not excelling at one thing. So therefore I'm a failure rather than looking at myself and saying, actually, I was like really theatrical. I was really creative. I was really good at kind of all the arty stuff, but that was never really that celebrated. So I automatically was like, I'm a failure. Whereas I think now I, you know, anyone I speak to, it's like everyone has got something that they excel at and everyone has got stuff that they're not so great at. And life is about managing your strengths and weaknesses. Like that's the game of life, I think, is that we have to, you know, work at the things we're really good at and the things we're not so good at, but also understand that we're not going to be perfect to everything. But I think that's where my kind of fear of failure started. And then I went into an industry where failure is like, happens every single day so in the kind of theatre world with auditions and stuff you get no's I mean the rejection the rejection and and it's very hard not to take that as failure because it feels so personal you know it's like there could be so many reasons why you didn't get a certain job but you just think oh it's it's me I'm not good enough Or, or I did anyway I thought it's me I'm not good enough I don't look right I'm not this I'm not that but I think as I've got older and and I think it's just something that comes with age, not that I'm like <laughs> super old, but I do think as I got older, I've realized that my biggest lessons in, in life have come from failures and the best things that I've experienced in terms of feeling as I'm moving forwards have come because I've had to take two steps or three steps back to then be propelled forwards. And I think learning that and understanding that actually failure is a good thing and how can I see it as a good thing? Because I think because it's so loaded with negativity or it was in my mind, I just wanted to stay away from it like anything, but seeing it and spinning it on its head and seeing actually failure can be a positive. How can that be a positive? What can I learn from it? You know, you can take a lesson from anything in life and what can I take from all of my failures that are going to help me to move forwards in a positive way? And I think seeing it as that has been so helpful for me because you're like, we're both female entrepreneurs as such, like doing our own, running our own businesses, you're going to fail. Like there are going to be things that don't work and that's totally normal. The most successful business people have all had tens, hundreds of failures before they find that one thing that works. And you know, especially as I found myself, you know, my journey has been documented so publicly online that it would be hard for me to do that 
perfectly without having some things that maybe didn't work and some things that, that weren't, you know, that weren't right, that I had to go back to the drawing board and try again. So yeah, I think I really, really found the value in seeing failure as a positive. Yeah, that's amazing. That's very inspiring. I think often it's so painful, or even the thought of it, that we almost don't try or mm. we try something and then we think, no, that didn't work. Mm. Do anything like that again. Mm. And I sometimes, well, I often think about how we're raised as young girls to be, I don't know, we watch Disney princesses, mm. and things are perfect. Mm. And we're not really ever taught about failure and how it's okay. And you know, if you come last in the three-legged race on sports day, you still get a medal, you know, and those sorts of things. We don't learn that failure is a part of life mm. and that it's okay. So I think, you know, what you said about just knowing that it's inevitable, knowing that you can learn from it and use that, that's, you know, mm. all we can do. It's like I don't a key life skill. You. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if going through kind of performing arts has, has strengthened you to, because you've had that kind of rejection. Mm. Mm. I wonder if that has yeah, definitely. that. Definitely. I think, I mean, it gives you a lot of life skills and it's a tough, tough industry. And I've still got friends that are in it and I do not envy them because it's really difficult and it's so competitive and you've got to be a strong cookie to stand the pressure. But, um, but I do think that it's taught me a lot and I have so much respect for anyone that's in that industry now, like serious respect because taking rejection daily, sometimes twice, three times daily takes a lot and those like yeah those people that still get back up every single day go to the next audition and the next one and the next one that's brave and I really respect them definitely definitely I sometimes suggest that people challenge themselves to do something that they might get rejected in Mm. um even if it's just asking someone a question you know Mm. a stranger in the street or something Mm. really small to kind of flex that muscle so they mm. get used to that and know that it's okay mm. um but you could always go to drama school yeah <laughs> <laughs> do it that way how do you because another theme around kind of brave new girl is around criticism mm. dealing with that and mm. you know I've I experienced that to a much smaller degree to you probably because I don't have as many followers I think the more eyes you have on you it's just the mathematics mm. the more people you have following you the more people yeah are yeah weigh in with their kind of things but I've you know I get you know reviews in the podcast or comments on Instagram that are kind of critical about me as a person or my values or something how do you handle that and what advice do you have for people suffering with okay I'm really bad at at handling this so I don't like I don't know if I have the best advice because I'm still learning to deal with it myself even just this week I had a bit of a meltdown because I got one bad review on my podcast and I was like oh the world is ending it's awful like how dare they (laughs) but um the thing is is that criticism if it's and and we were talking about this earlier like I have no problem with constructive criticism and I think constructive criticism is a really good thing and we should all experience that you know like we said we're not going to get everything right first time so having someone that says really thought this was good but actually maybe you could try this this and this I'm fine with that what I find really, really difficult to deal with is when it's either a personal attack about something that I absolutely cannot change. So I don't like the vo- your voice or, <laughs> I mean, that's just one example, but like it's something that, that feels very personal yeah. or it's something that's so like just nasty and really unconstructive. And I think with those, that's when I really struggle to deal with it. Cause I think, why have you felt the need to say that? Like, I think 
learning to let it go is really important. And it's still, like I said, it's still something that I am learning to do. It's really difficult because, you know, we are all emotional beings. And if someone says something particularly about something that you can't change or that feels particularly personal, it's very hard not to let that get to you. But I think something that I've learned and something that a lot of people do tell me as well is that criticism is always a reflection of the other person rather than a reflection on you. So if someone is critical of you in an unconstructive way, it's because it's their issue and they're projecting that onto you and it's not you. And you have to remember that it's not you. And I think trying to tell myself that, I mean, every single time I get something, I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. And sometimes you do, you have to really like, almost like a mantra, you have to remind yourself like, this is not me. This is not about me, but it's difficult. And like I said, I'm still trying with this one. Yeah, I think it's a process for all of us. No Mm. one likes criticism. It basically always hurts a bit. You know, you might get more used to it or find techniques for managing it. But, you know, it basically sucks. I like what you said about it being about the other person. Because if someone is happy in themselves, if they're secure in themselves, they don't feel the need to then go and Mm. be nasty to someone else. Mm. And actually it is... You know, often it's, um, if you look at the work of Carl Jung, he says, when we project stuff, like you said, it's something that we're not accepting in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if we're slagging off someone's appearance, it's because we don't accept our own appearance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even for people with critical parents, for example, often those people are most critical of themselves mm-hmm. and hard on themselves. So mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to have empathy if you mm-hmm. can get to that point for that, mm-hmm. for that person and know mm-hmm. that it's, yeah, it's not about not about us but obviously if there is constructive learning from that then we can use that yeah and that's the thing it's knowing the difference and when I if I ever am critical which is rarely it will always be you know sometimes and I think the best friends and I say this I say this to all my friends I'm like I'm your friend because I call out your bullshit (laughs) and I tell you when you're wrong and I'll always do it in a constructive way you know I'm never I'm never nasty but sometimes you do and in my relationship with my family whatever it's the way you say it, you know, and that's so key to not be critical, but to say this was great, but also this wasn't and I didn't appreciate when you did this or something like that. And, and, and it's really the way that it's delivered that I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's called calling in rather than calling out. Yeah. It's like a kinder, mm. kinder way to do it. Yeah. I had a friend actually call me in recently on something and she just sent me a really beautiful message and I could really take that on board, that criticism. Exactly. If she said, Chloe, I can't believe you said this, mm. bitch. Then I might have gotten defensive and not <laughs> yeah. taken it on board and ignored it anyway. So. But it's, it's that's the natural reaction. If someone says, yeah. oh, why did you do this? Like, you, you're on the back foot. Whereas, you know, if you can kill it kindly, if you can say, love you to bits, but would you mind if, or when you said this, it really upset me, whatever. It's so easily, like, draw a line and move on. And that's how I work in life. You know, I'm not one to hold grudges. I just think, deal with it, draw a line, move on. And yeah, that can be achieved by constructive criticism. Mm. It's good to know you have that kind of relationship with your friends where you can say those Mm. sorts of things to each other. Because often in, in female friendships, unfortunately, we just keep our mouths shut end up resenting the person or just sever them out of our lives without actually ever telling them. Of course. And like girls can be awful. And Mm. I've experienced that. That's the thing. I, I don't think I've always struggled with female relationships, but like, I don't have a huge amount of girlfriends. I'm not one of those people that's got like loads of girlfriends. So the ones that I do have are my, are very, very close 
friends. So, you know, we have a relate, and I like to think that we have a relationship where it's not kind of like, oh, she said this, he said that. It's like, you are my friend and I love you. And that means that sometimes I'm going to call out you call you out on stuff or call you in as you like to say <laughs> I love that call you call you out on stuff but it's only because I love you and it's because I want us to have a stronger friendship as a result and I think that's really I think all my friends would respect that yeah I love that I, I think, think it makes a better friend as well yeah totally actually I sometimes ask my friends for feedback because mm. it's actually quite hard to get that kind of feedback from yeah. people I have conversations with my partner where we have kind of give each other feedback on mm. how we think we're behaving mm. and I said I've, I've asked friends and sometimes they'll say things but sometimes not because people don't want to hurt each other's feelings but also like and... I know people that have just never been told that they're wrong mm. and if you only live in a bubble where everyone agrees with you and everyone says you're right all the time you become like a little bit warped in terms of your sense of yes. your right and wrong and how you can treat people whereas like if you're able to understand that like that was wrong or if you're told that like things that you're doing aren't 100 percent right or, or aren't agreeable with another person i genuinely believe you become an, an, a lot a lot nicer of a person mm. because mm. you're able to say oh, okay I, I didn't realize that because a lot of the time sometimes we don't realize we're doing things like you know there's been times where i've probably said or done things in fact i can think of loads of examples and i've actually not realized that what i was doing was wrong and like, someone said to me you know I can think of one friend, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but Tally Rye. Oh, yeah. And I remember she called me out on something. And I remember the way she did it. I was like, I'm so grateful for you doing that. And I all I felt was gratitude because she said, I love you. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I don't want it to become a thing. So I'm just going to tell you. And then I want us to move on. And she said, like, it annoyed me when you did X. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't realise and we literally like, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like draw a line, move on. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so sorry. And, and that's all it takes. And I think those are the kind of friendships that I love because I think like you just feel so, so calm in that person's presence because you know that if you wish would do anything wrong, they tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than, I don't know, thinking that people are talking about you behind your back mm. or that sort of thing. I've, um, if people start to kind of, I don't know, slag people off in front of me, it makes me think, oh, I wonder what you're saying about me. Yeah, it's so horrible. Having that openness and authenticity and having the courage to go to a friend mm. and say, this is not cool, mm. I think is really important. So thanks for sharing that. That's okay. Okay. So do you have any, well, I imagine you do, but what are your sort of self-care practices or self-love practices? Um, what do I love doing? I mean, I think for me, exercise is definitely one of them. It's a way that I know that I can almost have my hour in my day that's my me time and I find it very almost therapeutic I mean a lot of the time I do exercise purely for my mental health like if I'm having a stressful day and I just think oh god I've been running around I've been giving so much energy to other people I need an hour just to myself to put back in and I feel like that's what exercise does for me but then also cooking is like very much a self-care thing for me you know I find it very meditative I come home to my flat it's quiet I can just like almost prepare things in quite a a meditative way and I find that something that I really love Mm. but also um I don't know I think (laughs) this sounds so sad but walking is probably my biggest self-care thing to lose myself on a stroll which like I know I'm sure that a lot of people can probably relate to this or I hope so anyway I'm not the only one but 
if I've got my headphones in and I'm listening to a podcast and I'm just walking and there's no like rush, I don't feel like I'm pressed for time, you know, I'm walking on a nice route and I just, I increase my awareness of everything going around, going on around me. That for me is self-care mm. to just be, you know, not have to feel like you have to rush around because a lot of my, a lot of my time is spent like rushing from one thing to the next yeah. and to have my time just to walk, I think is pretty much my number one thing to do. That's amazing. I think nothing wrong with walking. <laughs> Clinically proven to help mental health. I know. There's so many studies. It's I such know. a simple thing. Mm. And yeah, often we don't afford ourselves the time or we say, oh, I'm going to go to a spin class instead. And that might be great, but also you could mm. just have 10 minutes at lunch mm. and have that benefit mm. and um, doesn't need it, to... It's like a surefire way to boost my mood. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And being in nature. Yes. Well. We've got some lovely parks around here. Mm. So. Okay, amazing. More walks for everyone. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, so I'm kind of reluctant to ask you. Can we talk about overwhelm and social media? Because mm. I think it's something that affects everyone. I think we're all addicted to our mobile phones. I don't know yeah. I don't know anyone who, yeah. who has like a healthy relationship with their phone. How do you manage it since it's such a big part of your job and almost you're expected or you know, it's part of what you do to be on stories and to be posting every day? Yes. I'm also still learning with this one because I am so guilty of spending a lot of time on social media because it is my job and I enjoy it sometimes. But I also, yeah, recently, particularly, I found it increasingly overwhelming. My best way to manage it is that I have to actually (laughs) really force myself not to be on my phone. So things like going to a yoga class where I just can't be on my phone, going out for a walk and not taking my phone. You know, it sounds bad. Like I really have to make myself Mm. not consume it, but that does really help. Look, I think we're still understanding how much social social media, sorry, affects our mental health. And I, for one, I'm certainly very aware of how it makes me feel. If I'm on there for a prolonged period of time, I feel increasingly anxious. I'm someone that I would say I have a naturally anxious disposition anyway. So doing something that every day that that, that heightens that level of anxiety isn't great. And so I'm really learning to find a better balance where I am able to do the bare minimum that I need to do and feel as though, yeah, I'm, you know, this is my job and there are certain things that I have to do, but also not spending all of my time being on it because it's just not healthy. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my content. So I think, yeah, I mean, I have no like quick fix or magic tip as to how people can do that. But I do think that it's something that you will recognize in yourself. I think everyone I speak to feels it, which is Mm -hmm. crazy because everyone I speak to feels it. And yet we still spend so much time on social media. So it is about how can I get a better balance? What can I do to stop myself from feeling as though I'm being sort of like sucked into to consuming content? And something that I did recently, which I found really helped was that I set up a private, not private, but a, a secondary page where I just followed my closest friends. So it was a page where I could post a few like nice photos with my friends and just consume the content of the people that are my closest friends. So there's, I follow like 24 people. Mm-hmm. But oh my goodness, if I'm feeling overwhelmed by social media and I go on there, I smile straight away. I'm like, oh God, my friends are doing this. You know, one of my best friends is living in Berlin at the moment. So it's nice to see what she's been up to. And to feel as though I'm actually like 
being a normal person again rather than having social media as my job mm. um, and feeling as though I'm working and being sucked into this environment where it, everyone's my competition and it's so it's so stifling sometimes mm. so that's been really really helpful for me and I and I try as much as I can to flip onto being on that profile and feeling that sense of oh okay I don't have to worry about what other people are doing now I can just look at my friends and enjoy their enjoy their content and not feel as though I'm being you know stressed by what other people are doing yeah I love that idea actually and for people that don't use Instagram for their work could just unfollow all the people that are oh yeah oh my god definitely anything that triggers that stress like having a having a kind of digital detox and also just like cleansing your um your social following of people that don't make you smile basically Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is really important yeah 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 so that's really good advice but for some reason, we do get hooked into following things that don't make us feel good. It's I kind know. of weird self-sabotage almost. Or I think as well, we feel as though we have to follow certain people. Yeah. Like I think or there's this... Out, or? Yeah, there's this weird perception of like, I must follow that person because they're really good. Whereas like, you know, I've found people online who've got like zero followers, but who are amazing and make me feel great and I don't care if no one else is following them I really like what they're doing and so I'm going to follow them and I think that's really mm. really important just follow all puppies and nature accounts and- there's an amazing account that I followed I'm going to forget then there are they're twins and they're called like Tatum and someone else but search it because okay. they are like the most adorable twins and I'm dating an identical twin so I kind of have oh, an obsession really? with twins anyway but they are the most adorable twins I've ever seen. And all they do is just like laugh and giggle and smile. And their parents are so cute. And I was like, that's the kind of content I need to be seeing where it's just like little girls, like dressed up really cute. And I just, yeah, <laughs> adorable. So yeah, definitely. Love it. Love it. Okay. One final question. Yeah, go for it. Questions. One thing, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but in an email that you sent me, you said, you're only as busy as you allow yourself to feel. Oh yeah. I was really inspired by that. I was like, yes, because I did this typical thing that so many of us do of like saying, oh, you must be so busy and mm. all this stuff. And even though it's something that I really try not to do, mm. I found myself doing it. Kind of the glamour of being busy and the, yeah. you know, we associate it with success and with all these things. Um, so I really like the fact that you said you're only as busy as you like to feel. Do you, do you try to not be busy? How do you manage your... Yeah, I think there's twofold with that in that I think I am very good now at saying no to stuff and, you know, I don't have to go to every single event. I don't feel like I'm missing out if I don't go to stuff. And I know what works best for me in terms of my schedule. So I know that I'm really, really good first thing in the morning with my clients and I'm really, really good at doing podcasting and whatever in the afternoon. And that kind of timetable works really well for me. And I don't take on too much that I feel as though I'm overwhelmed with work. You know, we were talking earlier about how I like to have one project on the go and that's my focus. And I can give 100% of my energies to that before I move on to the next thing rather than taking on loads of things and actually like doing them all a disservice because I'm so busy that I'm not able to give all of my energies to the one thing that I really want to succeed in. But also I think we thrive at the moment, like people seem to thrive with this sense of being really busy and this impression of I'm doing things all the time, therefore I'm being really productive and I'm really successful. Absolutely not. My most unsuccessful was when I was at my busiest. Wow. And because I couldn't focus, like how can you get your brain to focus on all of these things 
when you're jumping from one thing to the next to the next and you're having to wear loads of different hats and you're trying to be everything to everyone, like you have to have some level of self-preservation, mm-hmm. otherwise you just burn out. And so finding that balance of being able to be as busy as you want to be and as busy as you allow yourself to feel is really, really key. And I think part of that comes with having like my management are very good at not oversubscribing me to doing everything and being very in tune with what do I want to do rather than you must do this. But also it's just become from an, come from an inner sense of, I know my limit and anything over that. Like I'm not particularly good at doing stuff late at night. Like the evening is my time to chill and be home so I know that like a lot of stuff that's late like late into the evening I just it's not for me like I don't I don't go to and I used to feel awful about that and you think god like I should be more of an evening person no like you do enough you do lots your days are jam-packed so that's your time and and that's okay so yeah learning to say no and also just practicing a bit of healthy selfishness Yes. Because do you like an early night? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, usually about half nine. That's the perfect bedtime. It I is. Like to bed at that time. It like, is. It's time for Everyone needs to, to realise that half nine is the golden hour to yes. go to bed. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Top tips. Top tips. Um, thank you so much for everything you shared. Yeah, I think pleasure. you're really inspiring and I love how open you are. And I'm sure people are going to resonate with so much of what you shared. So thank, thank you. you for having me. Can you share, is there anything that you're working on at the moment that you can tell us about? Um, Just the podcast at the moment, which came out last week, although I don't know when this is going to come out. So it's now on iTunes and Spotify and it's called Give Me Strength with Alice Living. We speak to incredible women that have developed an inner resilience through finding physical strength. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Alice. So Brave New Girl is going to be available in the shops very soon on the 2nd of May. If the themes of this episode have resonated with you, you can learn loads more and hear loads more stories, tips, tools for becoming more confident in Brave New Girl. It's also available on Kindle and on Audible as an audiobook. And you can get it at Omen Outfitters, on Amazon and all good bookshops. So let me know what you think about this episode on Instagram. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. And also don't forget to find Alice as well. You can find her at Alice Living. And please do share this episode if it resonates with you. I'm really hoping to get the word out about this message that we're all in this together, that confidence is something that you can grow and that it just takes a bit of courage. And by being open and sharing about our own struggles and experiences, we can inspire other people to be their most confident selves. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Lots of love. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.